everybody. Welcome back to a very long, almost abandoned episode of Iron City Live. Um, kind of going to try a revival here, but uh, before we get too far into that, I want to introduce my counters from uh, one fairly local, one across the water. Uh, Miku, how you doing? Doing great. Having a lot of fun. How are you? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's uh, good to be back behind the mic. And uh, Kat, how you doing? I'm doing fine. All right. Well, we will get started with this. Um, the first thing that I kind of wanted to go over was Iron City Live used to be the podcast that we did for our Discord channel. Uh, kind of way back in the GBX two days, I know that we still have a few people in channel playing that. Um, but uh, I think that the... Uh, I think it's become much more diverse and kind of what I would uh, like to see is um, that we cover um, things that interest us right now. Um, I'm playing a lot of uh, a lot more D&D than I have uh, for quite some time. Uh, I'm running a second edition game and Kat, you're part of that. And yep. then uh, the both of us are playing in a fifth edition game run by Miku. You're doing very well. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, first time for fifth edition for me. But um, yeah, the um, so at least what I would like to do is to uh, get the three of us together after the fifth edition sessions and kind of go over uh, what happened and kind of where we think things are going. And just to give people kind of an idea of uh, what we're doing on the channel other than uh, the old uh, Girl X Battle game. So, um, Miku, what uh, what would you like to see this podcast turn into? Uh, I'm just looking forward to giving people an insight into what we're doing, maybe making VIV sound accessible for people who in the channel who might want to try it and see if we can maybe recruit some players for either a, set, uh, a bigger current game or maybe a second game, depending on how many people are interested. Okay. Um, so you'd be open to doing another game? Uh, yeah, it, it depends what times people have and whether it's one of these things where they can either run alternately or uh, I've always thought about the fact that with the way that our D&D runs, it might actually be worthwhile having a larger roster of people so that people can come in and drop out and stuff, depending on how they're doing. Okay, that makes sense. How about you, Kat? What do you want to see this turn into um usually i just kind of go with the flow i'm in it for whatever i enjoyed our previous podcast on mass effect so maybe we can branch out into like some other games like i know elden ring is hot right now i don't know if either of you've been playing that we could talk about that um yeah i mean there's um there's really no uh stricture on what we have to talk about the um like I said, I would like to do a recap episode every time that we uh, do the fifth edition. But um, so, if anybody out on the channel uh, takes a listen to this, why don't you uh, throw us your suggestions of what you would like to hear um, into the channel? And um, you know, certainly we can at least take a look at it. Um, you said Elden Ring. If if somebody's like really in, like really knows a lot about a subject or something like that, they won't talk about. It's also a possibility, right? Oh, sure, absolutely. Having having people on the cast, yeah. Um, anybody that's the authority on the game should definitely show up. So, um, yeah, and um, we're I think we're fairly flexible on time. Um, I mean, there's a six hour difference between Mickey and myself, and uh, then obviously just an hour difference between Cat and I. Yeah, if you if you need to do something at weird times, you may not be able to, not. I might not be be on, but I'm happy for you guys to go ahead when you can. Okay, um, so why don't we do a quick um, kind of recap about the fifth edition game, uh, the mix of uh, party members and um, who all we have playing currently, and kind of maybe kind of uh, what's going on. Um, you wish me to start with the setting and stuff everybody's in. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, the game I'm running is set in the Planescape setting, which is uh, sort of universal travel 
uh, set in like the out the outer and inner planes of existence rather than like the usual thing of starting on an Earth-like world. Specifically, we're in the incredibly high magic setting and actually quite high technology setting of Sigil, which is the cent- the very centre of the universe that everything else spins on. And it's just quite interesting seeing, because it's the kind of place where once you're there, in theory, you can't leave. Because the only way in and the only way out are portals that effectively randomly open around the city in any doorway or arch to random places. So the chances of finding a portal that takes you specifically to your home once you end up there is almost is so low it's almost zero. And our party has been trapped here and has been making the best of it. If someone wants to talk about your party, we'll have fun with that. So um, we have um, we we started with five players. Um, Battle Angel Alita, Cat, uh, myself, uh, and I don't know if um, I introduced myself properly. I'm Wendalian on uh, just about anything, any platform that I'm on. Um, and um, so then Cat, and then we have uh, Roar and uh, Little Roar, and. Uh, the five of us all, uh, I was the one with the most D&D experience, but uh, zero 5th edition experience. Um, so when I created my character, Keelan, who is a uh, priestess of Meshackle, um, a goddess of healing, uh, she was intended to be a background kind of support character for the rest of the players. Um, but as it ended up, we didn't have any... Uh, any real big fighters with us. Um, but uh, Roar plays a, um, is it Dragonkin? Is that the correct? Uh, Dragonborn. Dragonborn um, uh, Druid. And um, Little Roar plays uh, Effie, who is a also Dragonborn, um, kind of a sorcerer. sorcerer, but also kind of a mix now, right? Of Yeah, she... She found a magic item that was like, I'll give you lots of power if you become my warlock. So it became a warlock as well. So, um, and... That is now an actual canon. I would I would say that um, uh, of all of our damage dealers, Effie is... Um, uh, was far and away the most damaging of all of us. Although I think that uh, Sky, Sky of a Sunset, which is Cat's character... Um, has started to catch up. What do you think, Kat? I didn't intend to be a melee character because I had a melee character in our second edition campaign. So I was kind of like going to branch out, but I wasn't against anything. And we all got like a little power boost early on, and I got a short sword claw, the Zeltec, um, that looks like a jaguar, and it does radiant damage, and the blade is like a a beam of light is really good. And so I just kind of morphed into like a, a, a sneaky rogue stealth attacker, um, which is a good bit of our damage. Yes. And um, now that in our most recent, um, in our most recent escapade, I got another short sword that does bonus um, necrotic sneak attack damage and it does necrotic yeah, so depending on which sword I use, I can use my Claw of Zeltec and have Radiant damage, or I can use this new sword and do Necrotic damage. So I kind of I kind of am taking up the front lines without taking up the front lines. I just kind of come in, do a bunch of damage, and then just disengage, and then come in and do a bunch of damage. And your, and your character is a uh, tabaxi, right? A tabaxi, yes, uh, so which is like a, a cat, cat person. Yeah, and also, uh, what's your class? I am a rogue, um, and then the the designa- designation is an arcane trickster. Arcane trickster, yeah. So, so uh, Sky is a sort of half caster character. Yeah, um, but um, your your character is really really hard to hit, and also uh, now can land some good damage. Yeah. So, um. I, my character, Keelan, has some spells that are worthwhile as far as offensively, but uh, mostly is there to tank. And um, Roar's Druid um, 
is also very tanky because he can swap forms and get all of his uh, health back. Uh, Rora's current is playing what is described by most veteran players as being the strongest class in the game. Oh, okay. really? Yeah, he's the strongest version of the strongest class. Hmm. Mm. It's it's one of those things where his uh, his ability at like it becomes more balanced once you get sort of into the levels you're at now. But uh, in the first couple levels, he was probably about six or seven times more powerful than any of the rest of the party. Well, he certainly had uh, a lot more in the way of health to rely on. So yeah, yeah, he yeah. He, he had quadruple anyone else's health. Effectively. So, uh, you, how long? How many years have you uh, done Fifth Edition, Miku? Uh, it's probably close to three or it's like three and a half, four years now. I've been running games. And uh, so, all, uh, of all the different games that you've been in, how's the mix of our party as far as character classes and that sort of thing? It's a pretty good mix in terms of having different. A lot of parties just don't have someone who can heal anyone, which is a problem. A lot of the parties I've been in have involved uh, maybe not enough magical firepower. Like having one de- designated wizard, uh, like caster, uh, a healer who's also like a good tank, a druid who's sort of a mix of a combat character, but they can also be a caster, and then like a rogue who's just kind of rogues are always there to just sort of be very useful outside of combat and then in combat just hit people like a truck. That's the, like, I haven't managed to get a hold of any of the yet. This is probably one of the best balanced, but I think we did. I did that in my discussions with all of you at the start because it's much easier to get into the game with a balanced party. Whereas if you'd come in and, like, two of you were barbarians and there was, like, a wizard and then you had another caster character and no one could heal anybody... It would have been very unfortunate at the beginning of the sessions, well, because you wouldn't have had the balance to let you learn. I, I will say that um, starting fifth edition was a much easier thing than starting second edition, um, especially when we were all kind of left to our own devices to uh, create our characters. When we did a second edition, everybody had to get together to actually do the roles. And in your game, more or less, it's a, there's a pool of points and your base ability scores that we get to add to. Yeah. So it was pretty much the same for everybody. And that was pretty easy to do. Um, but um, so, Cat, uh, uh, you've seen the difference between the two games. Um, uh, my, my take is that combat is much more sleek in 5th edition. But when it comes to um, doing things with uh, what second edition calls non-weapon proficiencies, um, where you have, uh, so like your character is a smith in the second edition game, uh, I think that there's a little more flavor in the second edition than there is the fifth. What What do you think? Um, I'd agree that combat's easier in fifth edition. Oh, I think so, yeah. Um, because it's just like, What's the number to hit? Okay, a 15, I rolled a 16. Okay, I hit. Oh, I rolled a 14, I missed. You know, it's it's like you either hit it or you miss it. And then you get out of, obviously you get bonuses to hit and whatnot. So it gets easier or harder. Um, but I do like the the combat of second edition as well. It just seems, it it's clunky at first, but I, I like that it's so refined. Um. But yeah, I agree with the non-weapon proficiencies. Fifth edition is much better because you roll for like investigation or persuasion or perception or intimidation, whereas second edition is just like roll half wisdom or something. So, so my I actually think the opposite. I like the the simplicity in the fifth edition for the for the uh, proficiencies, but when you're rolling second edition, I think it allows for. Um, okay. For instance, if, um, if you have two people with a gaming proficiency in second edition, one person's proficiency might be at a 16 level and another person's is at a 10. So the very best they can do is a 16 and a 10 respectively. 
which means that they could both make their proficiency roll, and if they both rolled their exact number, the guy with the 16 is going to win because he's just a better gamer um, versus just a static number in 5th edition. So I think it allows for a little more flavor, but uh, again, much more sleek and much easier to do in 5th edition, I think. It's just taking a lot of the um, sort of housekeeping you would have to do with older editions rules. Yes. And just giving you, like, the... It's all broken down, so you could just scroll to your... Where the point of your sheet where it tells you the number you need to use. And I think that's very good, but also it kind of takes out... There's some of the old editions where it's like, it was broken down even further of like, okay, you've got proficiency in this skill, but you've, your proficiency is actually in this sub-skill of that skill, sort of thing. Which I think was a really good character, create, like a way to think about your character. But it is much easier to build characters quickly in this, if you know what I mean. Which oh, yeah. I think you, you, and, and your story is more for yourself and in the backgrounds you pick rather than in the way you use your proficiencies, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with all of that. Um, okay, so uh, why don't we dive in a little bit now that we know a little bit about the, um, the cast and uh, talk about our last session. Um, so very quickly, as Miku said, we are uh, in this uh, sigil, City of Doors, and it's, it's sigil. Sigil. If you say sigil, if you say sigil in the city, they will mock you <laughs> because that's how they, they they work out who's an outsider is if you say the word wrong. I am. I am a rube. I'm from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you were warned about that by the crone when you got there. Oh, that's right. Um, so, um, yeah, we've, we've been here for a bit, done a few adventures, uh, one in a set of sewers that was fun. Uh, there was a, uh, a house, a haunted house that we went through. That was also a lot of fun. Um, and, but currently we have been asked to guide, uh, a kind of a, uh, treasure seeker on a quest and there is a, uh, a giant pyramid that uh, we have entered that seems to go up to the sky, but all of the staircases go down instead of up. Um, so um, the most recent session, we were faced with a uh, silver dragon that had been uh, kind of, I guess, assimilated or um, uh, parasitically taken over by an ooze. Yep. And... Um, we had to uh, free its spirit. And um, it was actually a very, I think it might be the most powerful of the monsters we faced unless the Hydra thing that we fought earlier might have been more powerful, I'm not sure. Uh, this was much harder hitting and had many more abilities. The Hydra trash tortoise you faced previously uh had a was trickier to kill if you know what i mean right for sure this was this was definitely a higher power level creature in terms of uh i didn't you didn't get to see all of the things it could do uh because a lot of the things it could do were random oh like it's breath so weapon and all that it's breath weapon was random there was some stuff i was rolling behind the scenes of like different attacks it could do or if it was some it has some phasing things so it could have gone invisible if i'd rolled correctly oh a different point oh, that would have been bad um so how do you think the session went versus how you expected uh the first part of the session where people were like okay we can avoid it and i'm like okay that's a good plan avoid this thing as much as possible to the point where uh, sky had made it to the doorway on the other side of the room in the first turn effectively and i was like okay okay that's good if if sky can just open the door and they can all just kind of get out of there double moving the entire time and i was like that's an option you have and maybe you can come back to it once you're once you're a bit stronger and then uh you reacted quite strongly to the your hammer hates this thing <laughs> and 
the suggestion about the dragon that had been being played for a couple of sessions before. Yes. So, yeah, we've been carrying a, a silver dragon egg and then having uh, nightmares about a silver dragon that was being um, killed, more or less. Yeah, the, the initial the initial vague, um, the first vague dreams that Draven had about it were the silver dragon, like, trapped in a glacier, like, stuck, unable to move, unable to scream, unable to get out of anything. And then it became more sort of explicit what was happening as you got closer and closer to this point in the pyramid. Uh, I I think the the best thing that happened in the the, the best thing that happened for it was uh, in my opinion was that the immunities it had actually mattered. Which is not something that usually happens in a fight. Usually you're like, oh this monster has these immunities and then no one it never comes up. But luckily for this time, it, its immunity to cold damage and its immunity to radiant damage both came up in the in, in the game. Yeah, well, I mean, over half the damage I do is radiant. And, yeah, it's um, so it's just quite, it was just quite interesting that it's like, oh, these two actually came up usually. Well, usually you're in a much more supportive role than a damage dealing role. Yes. Whereas I think partially because uh, because of the RP reaction, and then also because. Sky's character was running around the out, doing laps around the outside of the building because Sky couldn't come any closer than fifty feet of the enemy. And in the uh, last two fights, there has been some tomfoolery happening to Sky. The the tentacle monster turned me into a fish, <laughs> and I couldn't do anything about that. And then this one casted fear on all of us and. Uh, let's just say Sky was a scaredy cat the entire time, running um, a marathon. That uh, so Keelan was the only one who made the initial save versus the fear. Yeah, and but the others besides Sky got out of it fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sky, you were how many rounds? Five rounds? Six rounds? It was, yeah, it was too many. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those ones of that that uh, frightening, frightful presence is like really powerful, just because it affects everyone with a hundred within one hundred and twenty feet, and it's one of the things you have to use because the so the big issue in fifth edition for monsters is that the players get what your party's likely to have like six to eight acts eight things you guys can do in a in a t- round whereas the dra- the dragon the, the star dragon gets to move once and then maybe has like some legendary actions if those are if it's in a position to use those so one of the big advantages of like frightful presence is that frightful presence gets to happen affect everybody meaning that i get if it, it feels like i've got more actions than i should have and it sort of brings back that action economy Mm. Well, it was difficult fights. Aren't the big monster who has one thing it can do? It's the I've thrown a horde of things at you. Fight these things; they've got more attacks than you do. Well, Keelan probably shouldn't have jumped in, but the dragon's a lawful good creature, and uh, obviously uh, her hammer, which is uh, sentient, um, uh, communicated some uh, hatred of this thing. So. yeah, she stepped up and is usually very tanky, but as you said, this uh, this thing deals loads of damage, and she went, uh, oh, let's see, I think the lowest I got was uh, 14 hit points before the heal. If, I, if, I, if I'd managed to get one more solid hit, I think I could have taken down you, I think I could have got Effie pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, one of the issues, of course, being like, I've rolled, uh, it was the bit where I, I breath weaponed you and Effie, and uh, you rolled a six, <laughs> which was a nauseating breath, which would have meant that you had disadvantage for all skill checks and saves for the rest of the, the game, for oh. the rest of that fight. But oh. everybody everybody managed to pass, and it's like, oh, darn, might have got me there. Uh. 
Um, uh, do you want to know what some other things it could have done? Yeah. I'll give you a look. Yeah. So it has radiation breath, which uh, has a con save, or if you fail it, you get three levels of exhaustion. Oh, wow. So if you fail that one twice, you're dead. No say, no, no bringing you back with uh, healing, you're just dead. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Uh, and before, after you fail once, you are half movement and have disadvantage to all checks. Oh, wow. Uh, another one it has is like force breath, where it could have like, it would have just like, it deals some force damage and then gets you to push or pull you 20 feet. And uh, there was slow breath, so effectively it would have limited your you your actions. So you could have either used an action or a bonus action, not both, and things like that. So it just had a bunch of random effects that were very powerful if you knew they were coming, but because I wasn't able to plan for them, it's it it, it like massively reduces the power level. Um, what were people? What were your thoughts about like the reveal of the second the boss stage? The, the reveal of which? The, the uh, second boss stage. Oh, um, after after the dragon? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, essentially, after we'd done enough damage, the ooze was on its own. And then it started running around and we had to finish it. Um, yeah, that was pretty frightening because um, uh, Draven Roar's druid got in the path of it and ended up getting taken over and then we started having to stab him <laughs> so yeah uh, anytime that um, a creature has the ability to uh, take over one of your party members that puts almost everybody at a disadvantage he took being stabbed very well yes yeah. uh, I think out of really complain when you stopped him no I think out of all of us it, it infecting Draven was probably the best because like, all he couldn't most willing to stab him. Well, he, I, I think all he would have done is just like would have morphed into a higher hit points. Like I don't think his he does quite as bit as much damage as the rest of us. Like if it infected Effie, she could have looked at us and died. Um, if it infected myself, it would be very hard to hit and very nimble. Um, if it infected um, Keelan, it would be basically almost impossible to hit her as well because of her repertoire and armor and everything in there. So I, I think infecting Draven was probably the best case scenario for us. And I was trying to uh, reach Draven to um, get a protection from evil cast on him, but uh, it's a touch spell and I was uh, a round away from being there before he got hit. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if the party wants to look more into some of this stuff because you're not going to be forced to look more into like what what all's going on with the things yeah uh i think effie was trying to do some of that when she was uh reading transcripts because we found a room immediately after this arena where uh everything was being viewed and recorded by zombies and we're, um, I think that she tried to dig through some of that to see what was going on. Yeah, so. sadly, sadly, she didn't find anything that was very important, useful for you. But there is stuff there if she wanted to take more time about it. But you all kind of feel a little bit rushed to get through this. Yeah, and and then hopefully there'll be some time to go back through. We'll have to see. Um, okay, so. Um, so Kat, how about, um, what were your big takeaways from our, from this session as far as what was most notable for you? Um, well, the big thing from it is that I was feared, so I couldn't fight at all. And I really, really, really wanted to test out my new sword, but I just kept getting bad rolls. So I pretty much essentially took up, um... And I did no damage until the very end. I did no damage to the boss. So all I could do was just sit and wait for something to happen to Silvery Barbs it, which is basically like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, and I did that once, 
with Effie's Finger of Death, which I thought was pretty good. And um, yeah, they made their save against it, and then you yeah. you uh, did Silver Barbs, and um, the when the reroll happened, it failed the save and took yeah. full damage. That was pretty good. Yeah, I, I that was one notable point for me. Um, the other one, obviously, would be the finishing blow and learning more about my sword coming from me, but I really couldn't do much except just sit and watch as my friends get mutilated and murdered. You did a lot. Effie did a lot. Draven did some support as well. Um, so I, I think that my only real contribution to this fight was uh, distracting the thing and taking damage that the people that were really damaging it could have done because uh, only my spiritual hammer was really doing any damage and it wasn't hitting. <laughs> I hit one time. <laughs> so, uh, but it was enough to get its attention and uh, it certainly chewed through my hit points pretty quick. Yeah. There was a couple moments I was thinking about silvering barbs, of, like an attack or two, but I'm just like, he's not dead. I know he can take a couple hits. I'm like, I'll just wait until it's like, okay, I'm dead or I'm going to die. Or like, and something critically happens, then I could just be like, okay, no, re-roll that. And let's see if we can get a better outcome. Um, I would have actually uh, hit zero hit points if uh, hadn't been for a uh, shield spell. That, that hit probably would have done it. But um, yeah, I, I got pretty close, but that's... Uh, that's all right. Uh, kept the attacks off the people that were doing the damage. So, uh, so the, the most interesting thing that I took away from it was when we, um, when we knocked this ooze off of the corpse of the dragon, its soul left and then inhabited a silver dragon egg that, uh, the druids carrying around that, uh, Draven's carrying around in his backpack. So, uh, and then, and now we think it's close to hatching. So that'll be interesting. Um, kind of uh, anxious to see where that goes. To give a little bit of a prompt, uh, you should maybe be asking your hammer more about both the dragon, the soul you saved, and the egg. Ah, okay. It may know some things that you've not asked about yet. Okay, um, I will do that. Um, also, I I would like to say that I think that silvery barbs on that finger of death was in fact the most important thing in the in the entire fight. Yeah, that was yeah. definitely key. It was huge. Uh, I, I I'm just going to read you the point where that finger of death happens. So it's it had taken fifty one total damage. Silvery warbsing that finger of death meant it went from 51 damage taken to 159 damage taken. No. Oh. Because it was vulnerable to necrotic damage. That's crazy. Yeah, that was good. That's the, the, the difference between it being silvery warbs and not being silvery warbs is like 159 versus like 80. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt I felt good about that silvery barbs because that's Effie's big, you know, cannon is that finger of death. It's just in a finger of, of death. In case of emergency, break glass. Yeah. <laughs> so usually that's kind of what I leave my silvery barbs for is like giving Effie a second chance at her finger of death or, you know, saving someone from death or just an outright bad roll or something that gives you a huge debuffs, you know. That's kind of what I'm looking out for to silvery barbs with. Um, I think that makes sense. All right, so everybody gets to say um, play slash save of the game and then name an MVP for the session. Is that our play of the game? The I silvery barbs? Is the silvery barbs to stop the like? Because if you think about it, that the difference between that level of damage was another two rounds worth of fighting, which at which point I think someone's going down. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely calling that the uh, the play of the game. Although I think the save of the game is also Sky um, darting in after finally shedding the fear and uh, stabbing the ooze that had taken over Draven, 
and uh, finishing it with uh, with a short sword. Remembering to use the the weapon that was designed to fight the creature uh, was was a good was a good remember. Yeah, yeah. I initially was going to use my claw instead, but then at a certain point, I asked if like um, when um, Keelan did radiant damage, I asked if I saw that because my claw does radiant damage, and since you said it does nothing, I'm like, oh, okay, so I won't use the sword. I'll use the other sword then. Yeah. <laughs> So my ineffectiveness was at least beneficial for you. Yeah. Um, uh, my personal play of the game, for me, I don't, I didn't do much, but I did two things, and they were two big things. Was that silvery barbs finger of death and just doing the finishing blow? That's all I did in that fight. Yeah, those were some pretty big things, though. Um, okay, so uh, what do you think we're going to be up against next game? We have an opportunity to go to what we think is the uh, boss of this dungeon. Um, we have basically three directions we can go. You, you have the orbs for three locations through that portal. I, I, have, I have stuff prepared depending on whether you want to go to hell or the jungle area, or if you want to go to the end of the dungeon. Any of these things I, I, I have something prepared for. So, whatever your your uh, feelings about this are. What do you think, what do you think, Kat? I think personally, um, Sky is more interested in the, the office one. Just because she's kind of like tired of fighting right now because the past two bosses have made her do nothing. So she doesn't want to like really pick a fight with anything else. So I, I think she's more interested in like getting out of here and finding the end, especially since it's a lost civilization. And that's one of my curiosities for my character. So I think she really wants to, wants to get this over with and see what it's all about. Yeah. I, I think I'm actually more interested in the office environment too. Um, Hmm. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what Roar and Little Roar are uh, wanting to uh, wanting to do, but um, certainly we'll we'll have to get their take on it. Um, Keelan's a little um, feeling a little um, bad about getting us into the fight with the dragon after because once the uh, once my hammer spoke up and I wanted to save that silver dragon anyway. Um, I was dead set on trying to kill it. So almost dead, just dead, dead trying to kill it. Um, but, um, so probably going to step back and let you guys make the call as to which direction we go. All right. Um, so I mentioned earlier that we started with five players. Um, Bal, uh, Battle Angel Alita, he is, um, hit and miss on um on his you know work takes him away a lot so um he's not able to show up sometimes um and so we're down to um four players um are are you looking for uh any additional players Miku? if there were people who were interested i'd be happy to chat with them or put them in but again i've said it depends on how you guys want to push forward with this because it might be difficult for someone else to come in to join at this stage of the current party. <clears throat> so either, like, if someone's got a little bit of experience, that's easier. But otherwise, it might be a, a refresh and a new setting to give you all something a little bit different at some point. And uh, bringing in a, a new character. Our characters have actually been uh, granted several fairly powerful magic items. Yeah, you're you're all very powerful. Yeah, so getting uh, another per- another person to that level of power is sometimes difficult if it's because it's not going to be sort of an organic scale. All right, so uh, it looks like our next session is going to be here in two weeks. That's what is it, the twenty second? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, um, if anyone wanted to uh, sit in on the session just to kind of see what it's about. You know, they could um, come into the chat and 
kind of listen to what's going on. Yeah, and, no um, issues with that. And uh, so um, we our, our plan is to play at uh, it's sixteen hundred British summertime, uh, B- right? Yeah, BST. Yeah, so the- it's a fifteen hundred G. Uh, GMT, GMT, which is uh, what I usually schedule off of. So uh, anybody that uh, is interested in that uh, a couple Sundays from now, uh, let somebody know in the chat and uh, we'll contact you and um, let you know what it is for your time. So, Oh, uh, when you had a question you wanted me to give a little bit of insight on before we finished? Oh, yeah. So um, one of the sections that uh, Miku suggested that we do was uh, he's willing to field a question from each of the players and uh, give answers. So um, I, my character is obviously a priestess, and the, um, the leader of this uh, area, or at least one of them, uh, one of the most powerful ones is just called the lady and one of uh, her the lady of pain specifically the lady of pain and uh she is uh, just adamant about no religion being practiced in um i'm, I'm going to say it wrong again sigil sigil uh yeah sigil. Okay. um so um this has been uh, so all of all of my um, you know, praying and that sort of thing that I've had to do to get my spells has had to be kind of on the sly. I'm not supposed to do anything in public, no, uh, no recruiting, nothing like that. And, um, so, uh, Keelan's been You're trying to, why? what's that? Sorry, we, sorry, I, I, I said something dumb. Apologies. No. So, uh, essentially, um, uh, Keelan's been trying to, uh, forward her faith, uh, through charities so, um, without the actual religious aspect of it. And so my, I, I guess my question is, um, what are those, what kind of limits, guidelines, uh, should I be observing? Uh, you know, what is a step too far in, uh, you know, if I were to hold a religious service, but not like invite anyone or require attendance or anything like that. Is that, um, is that in violation or is it if I'm actively recruiting or, you know, kind of what are her, um, restrictions on that? So part of the issue with that sort of question is that the, the whims of the lady are unknowable. Uh, the lady of pain is as old as the gods. And, in the specific city you are in, she is more powerful than any god in existence. But she herself declares that gods aren't real, effectively. So she she says that the gods aren't real so that... Uh... Yeah, gods are just powers. They're not actually gods. They're just beings that are powerful. I see. It's a it's a semantic argument, but effectively the, the statement is that she bars all gods from entering her domain, which is the city. Uh, and part of that reason for that is that she, the center, like, so she's in charge of the center of the ver- of the very uh, multiverse, effectively. And if she, and the center of the planes, so she bars gods from influencing her domain because it might tilt the balance of the center spoke of the of the universe so the reason for religion effectively being like it being outlawed for religion to be openly practiced in the city is because there have been multiple occasions where like religion has been used to try and overthrow her in the city and almost unbalance the entire Rain spoke that the universe sits on. So she's so concerned about the imbalance. About yeah, the banning of religion isn't about specifically religion. It's about that if a specific side of the debate, whether it be good or evil, gains more influence in the city, it tilts the balance of the entire like planes towards that side, and that could end up with the end of the universe again. Okay. So it's, it's very much a 
it's, she's not doing it for altruistic reasons, but it has that effect. Okay, well, that makes some sense. Um, so, essentially, I could do something one day, and she might think that's completely fine, and then change her mind the next day. It's all about how much <laughs> your action is unbalancing. Part of the reason there is such a large slum in uh, in the hive is because the positives that certain people feel have to be balanced with negatives towards other people in order to keep the universe spinning. Oh, man. So every action that... So I, I said that uh, Keelan was trying to uh, forward charities. A lot of them have been focused around the hive. Yes. So the, so, so the better the I try to make the hive, <laughs> the more imbalanced things are. Yeah, you're bringing attention towards yourself. So unless you're also bringing the the like high parts of the city down at the same time, or bringing people of great privilege down who count for multiple of the base. Like if you think about it, like uh, think about it this way: if you brought a billionaire low to become an ordinary person, that's probably worth you bringing up a thousand people from being homeless to being like at the basic average level hmm. just because of the scale of tr- of change interesting okay so you can balance things but effectively you may be bringing her eye, eye towards you uh sky uh, so cat you also had a, a question you put in the chat to me before this which was about um so there were some children that have been following the party at different points yeah, early on in our campaign, we had a group of children come to us. Well, they weren't coming to us. They were kind of secretly following us. And they had these medallions and these dice and all this other stuff. And I was just curious, like, once we did our objective for them, they just kind of, like, disappeared. Uh, so I was... Yes, you were their D&D characters. <laughs> oh, and that was it? Yeah. So uh, there is a group uh, known as the Signers inside Sigil who know they were in a game of D&D. Okay. In fact, they pray to a, to a being known as the DM. <laughs> yeah. uh, now, so uh, I'm trying to open this thing I've got about... So the there is a thing called faction abilities. So members of factions who are like strongly enough members of the factions gain some art role playing ability slash game ability. Uh, so signers are counted as having true sight because they know that the entire world you're living in isn't real and can see through it because they know that the, it doesn't actually exist. Hmm. And using this signers. Uh, uh, once a day are able to try and imagine something into existence making a DC 15 intelligence or wisdom check and the DC goes up by 5 every time they're successful so are they are they still around or is it was it just a one and done thing oh no they're st- they still they're still around they're just you're not currently on a quest that they're playing okay so we could That's see them again in the future, but right now yeah, they're on to something else. Yeah, you're not currently on the on, in the city. You're currently in the Outlands, which is the little bit, which is you're currently on the infinitely tall spire that the city sits on top of that you can somehow get to the top of if you try hard enough, <laughs> despite it being infinitely tall. Interesting. That's kind of cool. Whereas if so, if you're not actually in the city proper, they can't. You can't be one of their game pieces. So the the if you'd been able to see them properly in a couple of occasions when you missed them before you found them in the first in the first mission section, they were like literally rolling dice that were determining like what you get how well you guys did when you did something, but just like outside the window, true seeing what was happening through the wall. No, oh, pretty cool. So, is there any significance to the child that was assigned to us? Uh, there is some significance 
of why each child was assigned to each of you. But that's a thing that might come up and depending on whether your characters interact with them again or not. Okay. Effectively, as far as they're concerned, they they built your character. Huh. Your funny. character is like their ideal self grown up, effectively. In a lot of cases. Hmm. That's cool. So, your character won't perceive it that way, but to them, you're not real. But right. they're also not real. Oh, uh, sorry. Back, back to your thing for a second, Wind. Uh, yeah. Do not ever try to worship the Lady of Pain. Right, I knew she that part. powerful as a god, but if you try to worship her, you will end up in an infinite maze for all eternity. Yeah, and I mean, Keelan wouldn't be inclined to do that anyway. So, but is that one of that's one of those things that have that is like people every so often try to create a religion around the lady, and then they just sort of disappear. <laughs> uh, she believes that all gods are frauds, and you should really stop doing that. Note for future worship. <laughs> um, there is the theory that she's the first being in the universe and the last being in the universe. It's it's very weird. Okay, well, um, I don't have anything else unless you guys do. Anything we want to do is last call? Uh, I have nothing except to say that you guys have been really good since you started playing. I, I think we're, we're, we're getting Lil Roar out of, the, out of the shell from when she first joined us. Yeah, I think that um, as... Um, I think that her uh, role play has gotten a lot better. You know, she even this this session she was uh, concerned with the creature that we were fighting and trying to communicate with it. It's, uh, yeah, it was it was very good. Yeah, to feel like. My, so. you think, but it's just that one of it always, it's always when someone starts first you're and is a bit quiet in the first couple of sessions you're a bit worried of like trying to coax them into joining and then once they're fully part of the group you're like, it's it's really fun. That's the fun part when everybody's all all in it together. So, Cat, anything to add? No, I'm just... We should be on the lookout for some new faces. I'd be happy to have some more people come along or join us, because, you know, it always sucks when we have to miss a D&D session because of scheduling issues. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and that's that's one of the... Uh, I mean, everybody has life happen to them, but yeah, uh, if true. we miss a session, that means it's a month between games because yeah. we play every other week. And so, yeah, and gets gets hard to you know try to remember what happened last session, and you know uh, you have to go back into notes if you keep them and that sort of thing. So, and it's hard for me to remember what happened last session sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) so and I'm sitting here with like a pile of A4 pages worth of notes. All right, well, guys, I appreciate you doing this, and um, we'll uh, we'll get together again um, before. Uh, or right after I guess the next session and uh, see where we are so uh, and continue to develop this everybody that's listening once again please uh, give us your ideas and we will uh, talk to you later Uh, Miku Kat appreciate it guys